Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. Hello and welcome to Parently. Today's episode is a continuation of last week. So if you haven't listened to Allison O'Keefe's part one, stop now and go check out episode five. Last week, Allison had shared the birth story of her son, Nolan, which ended in a traumatic emergency hysterectomy. However, she had also shared that they are a family of four and she has two sons with her husband, Aaron. Everyone wants to know, how did that happen? Six months after having the baby, we started to explore what I would call plan B, which because I had my ovaries, we could either adopt. Well, I guess we had three options. No more kids. Make peace with that Nolan is our one and only son. Mm -hmm. Two, adopt. And three, pursue surrogacy. And everyone would answer, you know, which of those doors they would take. But for me in my heart, I, it was just so important to me to give Nolan a sibling. And since he was biologically ours, I felt like it would be better for him and our family and the sibling to be all the same you know, all of our genetic makeup. And Mm -hmm. we started to look into surrogacy because we had no idea what it would take about six months after. And it became really overwhelming. And like, that was also another grief process because you find out how expensive it is and how it's basically $100,000 out of pocket, no insurance coverage. Holy buckets. And when you have a mortgage for a house and a hundred thousand dollars over 30 years, like that's manageable, but to just like five hundred thousand dollars in cash became extremely, it's like another burden on top of the burden we already were dealing with and became another just hard thing for me to have to make peace with. Right. And for us to decide like a lot of things in our lives and our lo- a lot of our goals and dreams as a family would need to be put on hold or changed forever to do it. Mm-hmm. People close to me knew we were exploring it and that it was so expensive. It was just going to be hard. And so the way that you can get some of those costs down is if you have a personal gestational carrier instead of uh, a woman who has volunteered to carry for you as a stranger. So you basically take out what's called the third party. You still have all the costs of infertility procedures, the legal costs, the health costs, all of those things. So it's certainly still, I think we still around 50,000, but it helped a lot and made it a lot more doable for us. So we knew that this third party, like finding someone who we knew who could do it would be the next challenge. And in my mind, I had thought 
of approaching my sister, but it's just one of those things that you don't know how to do. And she just Mm -hmm. came over one day, a month after we had gotten the numbers and the information and just said, I know I said this to you in the hospital, but I've thought a lot about it and I really want to carry your baby. And so it was like that glimmer of hope in my heart, but I couldn't even have it. And I also couldn't put the burden on asking her. It was so beautiful that she knew that I couldn't ask. Like I couldn't bring myself to ask because it's one of those things Mm -hmm. that I don't want her to feel obligated. (laughs) Right. I said, okay, like this is exactly what I was praying for and hoping for. And here's an entire packet of information that I want you to read. (laughs) (laughs) I have all the paperwork, but it's like, it's a serious medical thing that I wanted her to know about. Now she also works in medicine and so has had OB rotations and had seen what I got through. So like we went in eyes wide open, but I wanted her comfortable, but it was just like, Oh, just like such a weight of that heaviness and that grief that we had our plan B and we had my sister who's my best friend and the most caring and responsible person I know that if I couldn't carry the baby, it's literally the next best case scenario. So. Right. Because when you think about somebody else carrying your child for nine months, I mean, it's not someone babysitting your kid for an hour. How do you find somebody who's going to love it and take care of it like you would? That's terrifying. And it's just so intimate. It's so intimate, whether it's the appointments. Every part about carrying a child is intimate and you want it to love it, but you don't want it. You don't want them to resent you for it. And like the thing with my sister is she it's her niece or niece or nephew as well. And it's as close to of carrying her own child yet not getting too attached because ultimately she wants it to be ours. So mm-hmm. it just is that perfect balance of being so close to her and feeling able to be vulnerable and able to be close in every step of the pregnancy with someone I trusted. So even though it was your sister, was there still a lot of legal things involved? Yep. There's lots of hurdles. And the biggest one is that she had never had a baby before. So we needed clearance from, special clearance from the infertility clinic to have someone who has not proven to carry a baby, carry a baby. But we really worked with a wonderful clinic here and the doctor's very progressive and she knew our situation and knew that I was very young, 27, 28 at the time. And it would be hard for me to find a friend or family member who had been done having their own family. And so Mm -hmm. she was willing she said, as long as I can, you know, she'll go through all the screening that any other surrogate here would do they call them gestational carriers um any other carrier would do if she can pass psychological medical screening then i'm willing to you know move forward with her prove her to be a carrier in terms of appropriate word is is surrogate not considered appropriate (laughs) i say it 
I've heard the medical term is gestational carrier or carrier. Okay. But I say surrogate as well. And surrogacy is the, you know, most common word known on the world. But um, in being more involved with the community, they do, I guess, as a whole, try to say it's a gestational carrier because that's what the medical um, term is. So she passed all the screens, but each of that was nerve wracking. And those appointments, I just, she had her appointments. I had my appointments and, you know, we're doing the most intense type of infertility you can do. But at the same time, we knew what was a problem. So many couples go through infertility and it's like a journey. You don't know what's happening and you don't know why it's not working. And you've had so many unsuccessful attempts that like each time is just this total guessing game and we like knew that a I had had fertility before we had had a successful pregnancy and so the embryos were of good quality or at least something that is viable and then my sister was more of the question mark but physically you know she passed all those things so like for me I feel a little lucky in that like we could go straight to the path that we needed to versus having to do years of trial and error that so many other couples who are struggling to have the families go through. Right. So we were down a very intense path, but we we knew where we needed to go and we were moving pretty quickly because my sister did want to do it and move on kind of with her own life and her own you know, family plans and we wanted our kids close in age and we're ready to just keep, keep going down this plan B. So we did our fertility treatment, which was intense, but luckily everything went smoothly. Those appointments, I just remember feeling like I could throw up at each of them because there's so much on the line. Mm -hmm. I mean, financially more than anything, you've just like spent so much money and to have no control over whether it works or not is scary. And each appointment has different check marks and things they're looking for. And you're just like holding your breath that like the counts look right and the numbers look right and everything's lining up. And so all of that was going on amongst the background of having a one-year-old, having full-time jobs, all of us, all three of us have full-time jobs and just doing the life thing. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that, frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun bursting nutrient bubbles. 
Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Were you keeping this personal to you and your family or were you sharing this with people what what you were doing? We decided not to share it broadly with the world. And when I say that now, I feel like on social media (laughs) until we were through the barrier of getting pregnant and feeling like the pregnancy was healthy and in a good place. Our friends and families knew we were exploring it. And clearly our families were much more like aware of like, and close friends were like, we have an appointment and all of that. But I was not sharing our infertility journey, like play by play online, because there's still so much unknown. Like it could end up, everyone wants that happy story, but like it maybe wasn't going to work. And we would have to go back Mm -hmm. to adoption or accepting that no one would be our only child. So it was a super vulnerable place to be when you don't have any control over the result. So we did not share as mm-hmm. we went along. But our close friends and family and then even like my colleagues <laughs> knew because I was having to be gone for work for so much and so many appointments. Like eventually you have to tell people who are around you frequently. Yeah. You know, my work colleagues probably know so much more about me than yeah. my best friends because just it, you spend so much time with them. <laughs> yes. So the pregnancy. Yeah. So they extracted the eggs from me and we decided to do a fresh transfer, which means they tested or they let the um, embryos mature and then graded them to make sure they were healthy. So I think it's like 19 eggs were extracted, 12 fertilized, eight were of high quality. Then looking at those, there was really five that were really high quality. And we decided not to do genetic testing, um, which is why we did not freeze the embryos and send them to a lab because of my age and our proven fertility. We felt good about kind of just keeping that much intact. Like we weren't choosing our baby that we were just choosing the best embryo, which then it felt more like that was the baby we were meant to have. Mm -hmm. Did that have anything to do with like financial costs or did you just feel like you needed to leave a little bit of chance in there? (laughs) Both. It was $5,000 to do testing and we're just not a couple given that we didn't have a lot of infertility or We didn't have concerns with the genetics of our baby because of our first pregnancy and having that success that it wasn't really as recommended as it can be for other couples who've been through a longer infertility journey or who have that history. But Mm -hmm. I really, 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 really wanted a girl. (laughs) And Mm. the way we would have made that decision would be to test for test it, and then pick a healthy embryo that is of that gender. Got it. We are Christians, and I felt, and again, this was our personal decision, and I do not judge other people who come to different decisions. I felt like if I chose an embryo that was of lower quality but a girl, I was just, I felt like I was playing the role of God in that way. 
Mm. (laughs) Not that the healthiest embryo is always the one that, you know, comes to earth, but I just felt like by going with the one embryo that was recommended to us, it left a little bit of that alchemy that none of us can control the babies that we have in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. So then my sister went in three days later and we were all there for the transfer. It was on the election day, historic day, never forget it. The election of 2016, literally on election day. It just is how it worked out. Really? So I was convinced we were having a girl and we would have a girl to tell her about the first female president. (laughs) (laughs) So it was an intense day in America and an intense day in our family for many reasons. I'll just never forget it. Yeah. And then Andrea was home for two weeks and she wasn't supposed to be taking tests, but she took some pregnancy tests because she was so nervous it wasn't working. So before we, we even went in for the appointment, she had told me she had taken a pregnancy test and it looked good. So we kind of cheated, but then they were able to confirm the pregnancy like two weeks later and I was at work when they called me and again, just ready to vomit with like nerves and anticipation. And then such an interesting thing happens. Like Andrea is entirely consumed with how I will feel and feel like she's letting us down. And then of course I'm concerned about Andrea feeling bad and having you know, I want to protect her from feeling like she is responsible for anything. So it's just very interesting. You're just trying to watch out so much for the other person's pain, um, more right. so than your own. But it was all good news. And everyone's invested in, in some form or, or mm-hmm. fashion. Everybody is yes. invested in this. So, yeah. So then... We went on to normal, quote unquote, normal pregnancy things like she was very sick and then I had to feel bad about that. And, um, you know, she was working, you know, her job in healthcare requires her to be on her feet a lot and working through sickness and pregnancy. So she was, she had, she was a trooper, I'll say that. And she was sick till about week 20. And then 20, we did find out the gender and it was a boy. And I, was crushed internally, but did not share that with her at all. Just said, oh, they're going to be best buddies, just like me and you. And I do feel like that's kind of that alchemy of the kids that we're supposed to have. And that gift that I have with that special bond with my sister so close in age is why I wanted to have a sibling for Nolan and having a brother for him and seeing how they're pals now. I mean, they're also frenemies to the nth degree, but seeing how close they are now is that like most beautiful gift. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine you as anything other than a boy mom. <laughs> like to me, you're just, you know, you're, you're the boy mom and I can't, it's so funny because I can't picture your family as anything except yeah, what it is. And Aaron wanted a little girl too. Like we couldn't verbalize it. And so that's kind of another type of loss that you feel guilty about. Like I shouldn't care about the gender at all. Um, and we don't care but the reality is I cared and it was a little, about a week before I could kind of feel good about it. You know, okay, we're going to have a brother, a buddy for Nolan um, and everything moved forward. And that's when we announced it. And within our announcement, we basically asked for donations from our friends and families because that is healthcare in America that we're left to self-fund what insurance doesn't. And <laughs> 
my organ of a uterus is seen as a elective procedure <laughs> and having families are seen as the same as having plastic surgery all out of pocket. And again, I'm going to go back to like gender bias in that there's not a single male organ that's not covered by insurance. It's only female organs. The uterus is not covered. Like it's a medical situation of why I don't have one. It's not because I wanted to have this situation. So luckily through the generosity, and that was a super vulnerable, awkward thing to do is to ask for help and put that out there that we would appreciate, you know, gifts of money instead of baby gifts for all the costs that we had. And people were so generous. And that was, it just took that, not all the pain away, but just that you can feel other people supporting you and like walking with you on the journey, even though they haven't experienced what we have. It's like they carried us mm-hmm. through. Oh, that's really beautiful. Yeah. So everyone was part of it who knew us at the time and had seen us go through the crazy birth and the story of Nolan to then Levi being born. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that, frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Andrea went into labor, so what was crazy is their due dates were both in July, but Andrea went into labor the day, she went into labor three weeks early and gave birth to Levi on July 8th, which was my original due date with Nolan. So two years to the day and gave me that baby that I was waiting for on July 8th. That's just amazing. And I feel like we skated past this a little bit but what a selfless gift that your sister gave I know it's it's like someone who wants to give blood times like a million (laughs) where there's nothing in it there's nothing in it for them except for to know that they've helped someone survive or come into this world and she said for her, it's actually like what better legacy could she ever have to help us bring 
our little Levi into the world and give a brother to Nolan is like, she feels like it's her greatest life's work. And so I'm so grateful she sees it that way, but that's what any gestational carrier is doing. Like they're doing it out of this like immense love for building these families and helping people have the family that they can't have on their own. And truly what better gift could you do with your life? I, I I was just thinking that like what act is more selfless than literally giving yeah. your body to create someone's family. I mean, it's just, it's mm-hmm. just beautiful. And, you know, I know you know this, but you're very blessed to have such a loving sister who's so kind. I know. And she, so in the delivery room, what I will say, it's like, how is this different? I think what I've learned is the hardest journeys are the ones most worth taking. And that delivery room, two years later to the day of my last delivery room, and it's already surreal when you have a baby. It's just like an out-of-body experience, but like her joy, my joy, Aaron's joy after walking that path was exponentially greater than the easy path with my first. And the nurse staff even commented on it. They're like, you know, we do a lot of cases, but the ones that are like the most beautiful are the ones that have extraordinary circumstances to get there. Mm Mm-hmm. true about anything in life I found a lot of comfort in quotes of people who've been through hard things but relates to Mm -hmm. that delivery room so it's from this book Untamed by Glennon Doyle and it says the truest most beautiful life never promises to be an easy one we need to let go of the lie that it's supposed to be and I think that's what I've learned One of the things I've learned the most is that plan, that perfection, that easy thing that I feel like other people get to do and we had to do it the hard way doesn't mean it's, it means it's more beautiful that we got to do it the hard way. And it's actually this perception that life, an easy life is a happy life. It's the exact opposite. I love that quote. Thank you for sharing that. It's interesting that we all have this perception of easy because, and I think you have experienced quite an extraordinary uh, journey, but I don't, I think there's very few people who actually have everything easy. It's just this, this total facade that we create because we want to give people that perception. Yes. We're all pretending that it's easy and that our hard things are hidden. And if things are hard, then we can't be happy or we won't be happy. And it's just all part of life. Like life is beautiful and life is painful. And it's in between those extremes that we're truly living. It's just, it is what life is. 
And we grow up with the fairy mm-hmm. tales or the happy ending movies or just pop culture, think positive and everything will work out. And it's just not the reality of it for anyone. So what would you tell somebody who's going through a difficult stage or just found out, for example, about infertility? Like what if a friend came to you seeking comfort or advice, what would you say? I would say that the journey is uniquely yours and don't let anyone influence what you should be doing, feeling, thinking, or deciding. Everyone is on their own personal journeys, but especially when it's to creating the family that you want and only you know that and how to get there. And for me, it was surrogacy through my sister that got me to the place I wanted to be and knew that I could make peace with. And now truly five years, it will be five years um, in July since I had Nolan and went through the hysterectomy. I'm very much at peace with it and do not have the same levels of pain. And so time definitely is what can heal you. But no one situation is going to be an easy answer if you're considering surrogacy because it's complicated and there's no guarantees. But if you want to do it, can do it, go down that path. Like I just said, that can be the most beautiful reward on the other side and makes you appreciate that baby so much more. And parenthood so much more. I think part of what makes your story so powerful and beautiful is because it does have so much pain in it. There's so much joy. And like you said, it's it's lovely that there's a happy ending, but it's really the pain in it that makes your journey so beautiful and inspiring. Yeah. I'm actually now proud when I tell this story. I used to feel more like a victim of this thing that happened to me. And now Mm. I feel like it's this really cool thing that I got to experience. And when I tell people about it, which I still do from time to time, because again, it's this invisible thing. You see a mom with two boys. And you don't know anything if you didn't know me at the time about how I got those two boys. But it just humanizes me. And that's what people gravitate towards. Like people gravitate towards people who've been through hard things and live through it and persevere and keep going. Like that's what we're all trying to do with our hard things. So I found it. The sixth stage of grief, (laughs) which I've heard about, there's five, but the sixth stage of grief is finding meaning. And that's what I feel like I've been able to do, whether that's helping people through their infertility journey. We've been having so many friends that come to us with different stories, different circumstances, but like looking for someone to connect and guide and find 
you know, community with, but also just helping people through hard things. Like I'm so much better equipped now to be a compassionate, understanding friend when people go through their hard things and understand how lonely it can be and how certain days can be good and certain days can be bad, bad, bad. And just to be there for them Mm -hmm. and understand that I can't fix it, but I shouldn't run away from their pain. Like I can really sit with other people's pain and my own, but that's like a life skill that I never had before this. I've had certain hard things in my life, but nothing to this trauma, nothing to this scale. And now I feel like my meaning is finding other people, helping other people through it. That's amazing. Where, if, if someone wanted to just follow along with your story and your family, is there a place where they can do that? You can certainly follow me on Instagram, A-O-K-E-E-10. Um, our story is also on our infertility clinics website. And I also would say anyone struggling with infertility in Minnesota or also around the country should consider um, the Colorado Center for Reproductive Medicine. They are the best in the world. I'm highly biased, but I mm. just cannot say enough for the work that they do and the way that they do it, more importantly, and their ability to manage all the things that come with it. And I just feel mm-hmm. like so grateful to be able to have their their help. Um, mm-hmm. So I would, our stories on their website, but you can also just go there to find other stories and resources. And then the last thing is finding that community and other people who may be going through it. And I've been connected with a national organization called Resolve, which is a national organization for really organizing and providing support for anyone going through infertility and helping educate, but also lobby for better laws and overall awareness to hopefully make progress in our healthcare system and our insurance system to make that journey easier for people in the future. Thank you for shining a a light on all of that. It's one of those things that I, I, I don't know how people would be aware of it or learn about it unless people like you are, you know, sharing their stories and, um, enlightening us. So I appreciate your, uh, vulnerability. And I know that the listeners are also appreciative of everything that you've shared today. And I am grateful to have you as a friend. Uh, Same here. I find sometimes I lose this part of my story as time goes on, but it's such a real part of me. And I appreciate being able to connect with it and share it with others um, who can potentially learn a little bit about it and also their own hard things. Definitely. Thank you, Allison. And to all of the listeners, thank you for joining. I launched Parently just over a month ago and have been blown away by the support and feedback. And I learned so much from listening to others' experiences. And I'm I'm very happy to hear that it's resonating 
with listeners as well. I like to think the platform helps build community and makes us all feel less alone, less isolated. If you'd like to connect with the Parently community via social media, you can follow Parently Podcast on Instagram or join the Parently group on Facebook. This has been just an incredibly rewarding venture so far, and I'm excited to continue the conversation. I have several great guests on the docket, but I also love recommendations and feedback. So if you have an idea for a topic or a guest, please uh, stop by the website at parentlypodcast.com and drop it into the suggestion box. Finally, if you enjoy this podcast, please, please, please let others know. Share with your friends uh, or your family or rate and write a review on Apple iTunes. As always, thank you for listening. I will see you next week.